Hi, this is Father Kelly. Strangely, this time, with a book review. Someone gave me a couple weeks ago this book called Two Second Lean. Uh, Mike Parker, some of y'all might know him from around St. Francis. Uh, he said it was good for him, and he gave me a copy of it, and I thought, yeah, I'll give it a read. I admit from the very beginning, uh, it's not highly applicable to my life. You know, the book is mostly about, well, it's about this guy who sort of maximizes his company and their manufacturing process. I don't do much manufacturing, as won't surprise anybody. I'd like to. It'd be fun. I do, as I tell anybody who listen, you know, I do like working with my hands. You know, people are like, oh, yeah, I'm building a fence. I'm doing this. Like, can I help you? Please let me know. Nobody ever does. Nobody lets me come work with them. I seriously want to do that. Honestly, if you're building a fence or something, or who knows what else, leveling your yard, let me know. I seriously want to come pick up a shovel and do something. Priest life is not very hands-on. I'd like to get my hands dirty and do stuff. Anyways, I don't get to very much. So the book about improving manufacturing, or that's the basic premise at least, I was a little hesitant. Like, well, I mean, what am I going to get from this? I'll read it because it was given it was given in charity, but I wasn't sure what I was going to do with it. And, you know, a lot of it was not strictly applicable. And... Honestly, if I applied too much of it, um, my staff might kill me in the future. Uh, as some of you might know, I, I hope you know, probably you know, uh, I'm about to have a staff. I'm about to be a pastor this summer, beginning July 2nd in Weatherford. Please pray for me. Um, and the book, well, I suppose if I applied the ruthless efficiency that this book, maybe ruthless is the wrong word, if I, if I applied the rigorous quest for efficiency that this book promotes, uh, that wouldn't necessarily translate very well to a parish office setting. Uh, it might drive everyone up the wall and make us less productive, but really the gospel is not about being productive. I'll come back to that. It did have some good things though. Um, you know, one of the things that, uh, father to be John Herrera used to accuse me of a lot in seminary was, was putzing around that I could somehow spend hours doing not much at all. And, you know, it was annoying to hear it, but he was actually right, and he continues to be right more often than I wish. I have a bad habit of, I call it kind of sharking around now. Like, you know how a shark always has to be swimming to breathe? Like, that, it just kind of keeps always um, moving in that rhythmic way back and forth, slowly through the waters, quickly sometimes too, of course. But it always has to keep moving and just kind of might follow even the same path, like a dog making loops in a yard, but it has to do that to keep going. I feel like I do that sometimes, not that I have to do it to keep going, but I catch myself uh, pacing around the house all day, in a sense, doing stuff, but not having anything to show for it. Yes, some, some papers might be organized, and the laundry might have gotten done, and the sink might be clean, but I don't have a homily written. I don't have, well, to put it simply, the work you guys pay me to do, done. Um, it, I could, I could do better. I mean, obviously things get done. I have my homilies written eventually. Um, but things could be better. I feel like that I, I spend a lot of my day and don't have a lot of, uh, substantial you know, intellectual, spiritual work done for it. Things might be neat and tidy, but that's, but that's not the same thing. And so this book's focus, it's called um, it's gone two second lean and apparently lean is a, is a manufacturing, you know, big companies like Toyota, whatever do this, where they try and, uh, reduce waste in their work process. They try and, uh, figure out where they're wasting time, what doesn't need to be done, what could be done better, et cetera, et cetera, and get things sorted out so that they are, 
um, doing the maximum amount of stuff with the least amount of work. Again, that's not really my life, but it does, it does, uh, it is applicable because, you know, I could, one of my bad habits is doing little bits of this, little bits of that, little bits of this, little bits of that, you know, some of this, some of that. And what happens is you don't get anything done. You feel like you're doing lots of things, but actually nothing gets accomplished because most of those things never get finished. I might start writing, a, you know, an essay about something over here and I might start organizing this and I might have, you know, being working on some Spanish, but I never get through any of those things. And so all of them are left undone, even though I quote, did lots of work. I mean, if you've ever been to my study or been to my house, you see that I have pieces of paper and lists and checklists and sticky notes and books with bookmarks in various places. Many things in process, but not very many things accomplished, not very many things beginning to end. One of the things I've been trying to do the last couple of years is do one thing and finish it. Read one book cover to cover before I read any other books. I can't claim lots of success, but I think it's the effort is I'm getting slightly better at it. Um, but this two second lean book um, made a good point about basically pay attention to what you're doing and don't do what you don't need to be doing. And, you know, again, for me, I spend a lot of time organizing papers, making lists of what to do, but not actually doing the stupid stuff on the list. But what's the hell point of making a list if you don't actually do anything on it? it? Making nice, neat lists doesn't actually accomplish anything if you don't actually do the stuff on the list. So while the, the, the leanness of this book, you know, the, the sort of rigorous efficiency doesn't strictly apply to sort of the intellectual, spiritual life of, of priestly ministry, um, it can in a way because it's, it's, you know, stop wasting time doing things in a way that doesn't actually work. If you're going to write a homily, sit down for three hours and work on it. Not 15 minutes here, 12 minutes there, you know, five minutes on a different day. Take the three hours it takes to write a good homily and do it all at once, no interruptions. So that was one part of the uh, sort of thing to be gleaned from this book. Um, but another thing is that it's more about teaching it than just doing it. And that's a good scripture, or not a good but a good... Um, Christian mindset. Uh, it's one th- the, the point in the in the context of the book. It's that while it would be one thing for a company to um, introduce these lean tactics to to insist that your employees do things this way, to just make it a rule that they must follow, you'd make some improvements. Sure, I mean, hopefully, if you do any, if you do it even kind of well, you'll make some improvements. But the real improvement, the author's point, is that the real improvement and things really catch on fire is when the people want to do it themselves, when you build what he calls a culture of lean, when the culture of the place is almost a competition of, hey, you know, let's see how we can do this better together. I mean, that's also, I presume it's pretty standard uh, successful company practice that you get people on board with the work that needs to be done. You, you get the people to be excited about what they're here to do. They're not just here to receive a paycheck, you know, lock in their time and go home, but they're actually excited about what they want to do. Uh, one of my good friends just got a job in an in a, um, engineering job and something that he's wanted to do his whole life. He's had other jobs before, and I've gotten to hear about uh, the trials of working that kind of job, 
where you go to get a paycheck and you, I mean, I've heard this from lots of people, not just him, where uh, your work, work, uh, not work ethic, but work motivation is pretty low because you know what, I'm just here because they pay me to, I don't, you know, I don't want to do this, but I guess I will because they pay me for it. And that's how you have a lot of waste in a company. That's how you have a lot of going nowhere when employees, you know, drag their feet, take the long lunch breaks, you know, spend a half an hour in the bathroom kind of stuff where they um, wring out as much money for as little effort as possible versus a company where employees, in a sense, would do it for free. Now, you wouldn't; that would be unfair to expect them to do that, but, you know, they burn out, of course, and things like that wouldn't be fair. I think that's called slavery. But where, in a sense, they would. You know, like that's how it is for me for priesthood, that, yes, I receive a salary because it's necessary for life to pay my bills and things like that, um, but I would do it for free. I don't do it for the money. And that's, you know, the, the difference I've seen in, in my buddy's new job is that certainly getting paid is important, but in a sense, he would do it, he does it out of his own excitement. He does it because he believes in it, because he wants, he thinks it's important. It, it, it makes him happy to do that. And that's the point, that was the, the big takeaway from this two-second lean book is that if you want your company to do this way, don't just tell them to do it. And some improvements we made, but teach your people to want to do it themselves. Make it a self-sustaining process. You, as a manager, for example, you live it, and then they will want to take it up as well because they they see the difference it makes, but it makes them happy to do their job. It makes their job a joyful thing to do, and that obviously makes a big difference. You know, you do it, in a sense, even not even to make money. You do it, first of all, to make the people happier and make them enjoy their job. And then as a secondary byproduct, the company will do well. So what's the point of all that? You know, how, how does that apply to my job or what, you know, what we do here in the church? Well, I think I like that lesson of, of building the culture of it because we need to do to build the culture of evangelizing, build the culture of discipleship, build the culture of being Christians. It's one thing to tell people, here's what you have to do and do it, damn it. You know, things will get done. People will probably go to Mass at least sometimes, take, partake of the sacraments, but they won't live the faith. And that's the difference. We can have people who are sort of Catholic robots and, you know, doing the things, but that's not living the faith. We need Catholics who are excited and joyful about the, about the gospel, who want to be Catholic, who want to live the faith because it makes them happy. And they get eternal life out of the deal, too. That's what. That's the ideal. We don't want to just impose Catholic practices like robots, like do this because you must do this. There are things you ought to be doing, certainly, but we want to build a culture of Catholicism where the faith comes joyfully, where it comes naturally, where you want to do it because it's what makes you happy, because it's what authentically satisfies your human nature. That's where we want to go to, and I think a a big... Uh, target of this, you might say, is how we catechize and evangelize our young people and ourselves. How do we teach them? Do we, do we teach them to love Jesus or do we teach them just to memorize things? If they memorize things, they'll get something out of it. Some benefit will come. There will Their lives will improve in a way if they are forced to go to confession every once in a while. But imagine the difference if we set them on fire for Christ by our own example and they want to Without us even having, without adults even having to ask, 
what if we built a culture of faith where they evangelize, where we evangelize them to the point that they want to evangelize their friends, that you know, not just about youth, that anybody wants to spread the faith without even having to be told to do so. They're so joyful about knowing their Savior that it's automatic, that it happens without even having to be asked to happen. You know, if people are clamoring to go to confession without having to be told to go to confession, they're clamoring to have their marriage blessed in the church. They're clamoring to live a life of faith. You know, teach me more devotion. Teach us more things. Teach us how to pray in the home. Wouldn't that be glorious and fantastic? Isn't that what we want? Wouldn't that be really satisfying the Christian life, not just going through the motions? That is the kind of thing we want to do. So the big lesson, the big takeaway for me from this book is that, yes, you know, make improvements, you know, do things well. Um, you know, that does apply to Paris life. You know, don't, don't waste money. Be efficient with things. Um, don't uh, do things the hard way unnecessarily. You know, be wise with your work. Um, but more importantly... Build a culture of what you want. Don't just enforce it. Don't just say, here's what's going to happen. But A, management leadership, you know, pastors, clergy, ministers should lead by example, be on fire for the faith, love Jesus primarily themselves, and then pass it on to others boldly and confidently. And then it won't be, hey, do this because you have to, because you're Catholic, and that's the obligations you have. But rather, the people whom we are leading, whom we are instructing, will want to do that on their own. They will be excited by the faith, by the joy of the faith, by the, by the clarity of the faith, by the life that it brings to their lives, you might say, that they will want to do so automatically. And it won't, it won't be a push, but it will be a sharing in that. So that was my big takeaway in the book, to um, do wise with your time, certainly, but above all, to focus on building a culture, not just imposing it. And then once it's built and growing on itself, then it will bear fruit. <laughs>